That's right. Me too. So listen, we are live right now. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another Facebook Live edition of Pendergast Podcast. Today, what an honor it is to have these two special people on the podcast. Before we get into them real quick, everybody, as always, at watches and comments will be entered into a drawing for two free Pendergast Podcast stickers and this Ricardo Rossi sign poster from, you know, the Moto3 oh, nice. guys. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, listen, what is up, Aliki and Kat? How you guys doing? Oh, we're, we're, at least for me, I'm right in the middle of season. I'm just about to head out on another trip. Um, this is probably also the middle of uh, Aliki's busy season as well. We're frantically, you know, doing the job, you know, making a little bit of money. Not much, but uh, enough to pay the bills. And, you know, this is what we do. Living the dream, <laughs> making money, doing what we love. Which That's what we all do, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what we all do. So, so listen, let's um, let's just start this off and get into it, right? So, I have both you guys on here at the same time. Let's start off uh, how you two first met, and then we'll get into each individual business on, on your side, right? So, how did Cat oh. and Aliki meet together, right? And how did this friendship start? Oh, That's what I want to yeah. know. Jesus. It had to be a Thunder Hill at some go. point. I'm guessing, uh, this is totally a guess, that, that it had to be at Thunder Hill at a track day. And I saw the product, the Venom product. I'm like, this stuff's pretty cool. And I also, I had a hole in my world in that when you go to a MotoGP circuit, a lot of times there isn't stuff you can buy to bring home and go, look, I've been Aragon. Look, I've been to Catalonia. Magello's pretty good about it. But uh, still, there isn't like this really cool thing that you can bring home and go like, look, I've, you know, I've ridden, I've ridden Phillip Island. And so I saw these shirts. I'm like, this is something that somebody could bring with them home and then wear at their next track day and go like, eh, eh, look where I've been. Eh, eh. You know, it was like bragging rights. And the, the product was a good fit. The brand was a good fit, you know, and Aliki's is about two or three years ahead of me in terms of business development, in terms of like figuring out what she wanted to do and where she wanted to go and who she was going to work with. And I'm like, this is a good person to go with because she's already, you know, hit walls and can tell me to avoid certain places. Like I already screwed up and tried to do a whole bunch of marketing at the IMS shows. And that was a huge mistake. Uh, and then, you know, Aliki knew that you, you got to go where the fish are and the, the fish are your know, track riders. And if you want to sell direct to track riders, you got to go to the track and, oh no, we have to go to a racetrack. Are Damn. you kidding me right now? I know. Oh, man, what a bummer. <laughs> really? Out of anything in the world, I got to go to the track. Okay. I guess I can yeah. make it happen. Yeah. It's my favorite place to go anywhere in the world. It's a racetrack. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Aliki. How did I you, you Go ahead. I remember um I remember you calling me and saying we need to have a meeting. And I'm all shit, I gotta have a meeting with somebody now. <laughs> What's this all about? <laughs> we a got meeting? together for dinner and you explained what you did and stuff. It was like a full-on official. Um I think I just tend to grab. Oh my god, it was crazy. in Santa Cruz, wasn't it? You came to Santa Cruz and it I was had in just Santa Cruz and I freaked the out shit out of you. I remember that. Yeah, I was a newbie. So I, I came from Canada and I I sold everything, got myself in a trailer, traveled around the country, did track days everywhere, and somehow ended in Santa Cruz. 
And then shortly oh, after gosh. is when you came over and I'm like, I'm making friends. I have a friend. Woo, this is cool. But uh, <laughs> kind of discovered the that there's like a million track days around here too. So yeah. uh, kind of never left and kind of started doing track days every weekend. So I know that we made friends at the track for sure. Um, right. Chances are well, we were all in vendor row. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then we started having things in common. Like we wanted to do Moto Americas together. We were, we did the world Superbikes together. We did, um, I don't know if we ended up doing a Moto GP before world Superbike came to Laguna Seca, but, uh, I think it was, you know, a friendship based on, Hey, we got a lot of stuff in common. We should collaborate and help grow our businesses, which is eventually going to then help grow our sport. And we've kind of been running that theme for the last eight years now, hasn't it been? Yeah, I mean, yeah. our our markets are very similar. They'll, there are people who will pay a little bit more for a quality experience or a quality product, but she's selling a a much lower price item compared to what I'm doing. But it's the same target, people who love track riding. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much. Yeah, passion driven, baby. Passion driven. That's right, and that's why we're all here right now at this moment, meeting and talking and having this conversation. (laughs) Exactly. So listen, 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 Cat. I'm gonna start Mm -hmm. with you. How did you decide to do your business? Right. So tell everybody that don't know about you or your business wise. How did you get into motorcycles to begin with, and how did this business start for you? Well, I, I grew up on a ranch in Southern California and I got some new neighbors next door when I was about 11 years old. And it was Gunnar Lindstrom, who was a, a, a motocross star back in the 70s and worked for American Honda. And I, I had, you know, horses. And then I'm looking over and here's these dudes on bikes. And I'm like, this looks like more fun, you know, and you don't have to clean up after them. Right, yeah. right, right. And there was more speed involved. Wow. And like, okay, <laughs> so so I, they they taught me how to ride. Uh, it was it was Gunner and his his four children, and his children were always faster than me. Uh, I just had that natural talent, but it didn't matter because those are the best days of my childhood. Was was riding little dirt bikes, especially in the rain. And then when it got too muddy for the bikes, we'd get off the bikes and get on ATCs and spray each other with mud. And I'd pay five thousand dollars right now to have another childhood day like that. It was the best fun ever. Uh, you know, I went, I went to school, I got four college degrees. And of course, by the age of 40, uh, when you have four college degrees with honors and distinction, that means you're completely unemployable. Uh, so I, especially you cost too much money. No, it's, and well, the other problem is I'm white and I'm male and I, I literally, it was great. One, one of the PR companies who was repping Kawasaki at the time said, geez, cat, we'd really like to hire you. You're obviously got industry knowledge. You can, you're really good at copywriting and, and you know the marketing game, but we're going to hire two cute blondes instead. I'm like, okay, at least you're honest about it. Right. Yeah. You know, it was, right. I was just kind yeah, of saying. Your hair is pretty. We like your hair. It's very pretty. Yeah, but I don't have any, see, there's just not enough boobage it's, here. Yeah, it's not, I don't. I don't yeah. know. Did you look at the main picture that we have on the podcast here? That was a full handful that I had. It was. Right. I, I liked like it. A double yeah. handful. He was like, so. yeah, it was great. great. So, bigger than mine. <laughs> after after looking for work for three years and being told twice during phone interviews, oh, we aren't hiring men. I'm like, okay, no one's gonna no one's gonna be give me a seat at the table. I'm gonna have to build my own table. So I 
went with what I knew. I knew travel. I had worked in the travel industry and I knew the motorcycle industry. I'm like, okay. And I jumped into running motorcycle tours, which is a, a failed endeavor for many people. A lot of people lose money right out of the gate. And a number of people told me, don't do it. You're just going to lose your shirt. And I didn't make money at it at all for quite a while. Uh, I went over to Germany to try to sell California tours um, to get, get Germans to come to California only to discover that Germans will not buy from an American. They want to buy from a German. It's, I understand this. It's a different culture and they're, they're more concerned with safety and trust. Uh, but while I was there, uh, I went, one of my friends said, hey, you want to go to a track day? I'm like, yeah, of course. Uh, but what am I going to do for a bike? Just, ah, kein Problem. We'll give you a Ducati from the, you know, Ducati shop. I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. So they gave me a new Panigale to break in uh, at a tiny racetrack called Volsdun, uh in eastern Germany. Uh, there's a bunch of Germans there. Their English is better than my German, but, it, you know, we're trying to converse. But it doesn't matter. We're having a good time. And this is authentic. There's no tourists here. And I'm after working in the travel industry and prepackaged experiences, I'm big on authenticity. So I'm like, okay, how do we get Americans to come over and experience a track day in Europe? This is tricky. You know, well, it has to be a racetrack they'd heard of. Well, okay, let's go to the MotoGP calendar. We'll take them to Sachsenring. Okay, well, we can't just fly them over and do two days of track time and then fly them back. We got to take the bike someplace else. Where should we go? You know, my friend said, they always go, they don't know you know, which is the Italian Alps. And that was the first tour, the Sachsenring and the Italian Alps. And the response within six months was so insane. The people said, I can ride a MotoGP circuit? I'm like, yeah. Okay, here's my money. And the response was so good. I told people at that first tour, I said, even if somebody dies on this tour, we're doing it again. Because people clearly want to experience a racetrack that they've only seen on tv ride where your heroes ride type of thing the tour was a disaster i think we totaled three bikes we looked like complete chodes and we showed up at zox and ring with bikes just toasted and we learned a lot of hard lessons on that tour you know the, the bad way bad hotels uh we, we learned there that you've got to have street bikes dedicated street bikes and track bikes you know two separate things and we learned about reliability and routing and guides and yeah uh, but we kept doing it and next tours after that you know definitely got a hell of a lot better and now i've been doing it for well shit this is uh, year 10 or 11 depending on how you count congratulations yeah so oh, dude yes congratulations man it was yes, i am slowest rider to ever ride 10 moto gp circuits <laughs> and i'm i'm gonna do uh track number 11 this year is gonna be portamount i can't say that i'm not jealous because i'm sitting here just totally dripping with it i don't know if you can see it on t right now live on video but man it's just dripping <laughs> I, i'm so <laughs> i'm telling you man you don't even know i would give a lot uh, i'll say to go ride it's no problem i'll take it i know i, I, I know <laughs> you will i know you will but listen we'll talk after the podcast for sure um aliki you are on deck next so yeah so so tell us about uh, i i know you do road racing too right a lot on the west coast tell us how mm -hmm. you started your 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 undersuits and all that the venom how did you how did that all come together and yeah. how did you, how did Aliki get involved in motorcycles? Many, many moons ago. How did I get involved in motorcycles? Oh God. Okay. 18 years old, came home with a Ninja 250 
my mom was like, oh, hell no. So (laughs) I had to turn my motor off, walk my bike into my garage. And as long as she never saw me sitting on that bike or hear the motor running, I was okay. (laughs) I'll push it down Um, the street before I start it, mama. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had to do that. I, yeah, my neighbors are very happy yeah, about that yeah. too because it was a very loud exhaust on that little thing. <laughs> um, but uh, I was—I uh, had joined the military uh, as a MSD op, which is a mobile support equipment operator, and um, so everybody that I was with in my unit loved wheels and doing fun stuff on wheels. So we used to off-road and everything um, all the time. And I think a couple in my group decided they wanted to get their motorcycle license and I kind of was on board with that. So um, through my military career, I had kind of a motorcycle career that went along with it as well. And uh, two years later, I became a motorcycle uh, instructor and an MSF, you know, Canadian version examiner. Then I got to a point where I was examining examiners, which was super fun. Then I was a demo rider for the examiners that were examining examiners. <laughs> and that was fun. <laughs> Especially on a DRZ 400 when you're like, oh, I'm supposed to fail tests from the DMV. Mm. Okay. Be <laughs> so fun. I would hop up curbs and down curbs and put my foot out around the turn. It was great. I was getting paid for that. That was a fun job. Anyway, so my motorcycle career kind of became a thing. So it was, I was contracted with um, Honda Canada. Then I eventually got uh, contract work with American Honda doing demo rides. And uh, basically riding two wheels, getting paid for it. It was awesome and then within that time of me being super enthusiastic and 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 making money from motorcycling uh i was about 2004 dating myself here i discovered under armor (laughs) at the racetrack and i had put on these leggings that they they had just come out uh, at that time and i was able to actually pull my leathers up over my legs and i was like this is the most miraculous shit i've ever known ever facts facts right nothing there was almost nothing in motorcycling that was specific to motorcycling so i've been doing this for a while (laughs) and it's taken many years for me to come out with a product that is what it is today um with testing and testing i think we went through like 23 prototypes i wanted something that uh would fill the gap in the market that was there uh, at the time, people didn't really even know that you would wear something that was long sleeves in order to keep cool. So it was difficult for me because I had to educate people about it. It wasn't like, right. oh, I need a base layer. Where should I go? Here's the five companies I can choose from. Right. It was, um, what's a base layer and what does it do and why can't I wear a t-shirt? So <laughs> there was a, there were a lot of challenges along the way, but I kind of stuck through it. Um, and now I'm really happy that there's other businesses that are out there that are seeing that that are starting as well, because the more uh, known the concept is, the better it is for all of us in the market. So that's kind of where I started, I'd say, in my roundabout nutshell. (laughs) That's awesome. So as far as development goes, as the years, as you developed your your undersuits and your products, did you have like racers actually test them on the track and give you feedback? And is there any particular... Mm -hmm riders you want to give a shout out to that actually oh boy, helped you got, develop ooh. along the way she's like where do i start yeah i know oh god i know uh, <laughs> i'd say i one of the most difficult questions that was asked of me if anybody's looking to uh, start a business in our industry was does this make me go faster <laughs> and i had to stop myself and be like well it's convenient it's comfortable you know it cools you off 
does it make you go faster? Hmm. This guy owned a shop, uh, Z1 Motorcycles, and uh, a dear friend now. But he was an asshole to me, and I loved it. <laughs> no, like it he just he was there. He said it for real. He's like, if somebody's going to buy a product off you, it's because it's going to make them faster. You're going to spend $1,200 on an exhaust because, well, <laughs> it might give you like, what, half a to one horsepower, but Maybe, it makes right? you faster. So right. you spend $1,200. Psychologically Doctors anyway. Make you faster. Right, right, right. Um, so then I um, I was uh, in Canada at the time, and I was involved in the Canadian Nationals, um, Canadian Superbike Championship. And there was a gentleman there who was a doctor who was a, kind of a 2XL sized guy and um, very well known, very fast. And he tried, I said, here, here's my prototype base layer. I'm like prototype 10 right now. Can you try this for me? Let me know. Does this make me go faster? <laughs> and uh, he went out there and this was at Shannonville. I don't know if a lot of uh, people know that track. It's very tight, very technical. I'd say tighter than like Button Willow and very bumpy. But the transitions are really cool. There's a lot of tight transitions. And he had noticed that he dropped, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating here, he told me he dropped two seconds off his lap times at that track. Just Mega, from wearing the base right? layer. Yes. I can't remember what he had before. Maybe he was just wearing nothing underneath. And it, because he was able to transition faster, so the bike got pointed in the right direction faster, so he was able to go faster. And that, to me, was the proof in the pudding let's go. We're going to do this. I want to keep going with this concept. So, so that was, was it. The start. Hmm? His suit was binding up probably in the chest area and it was made smoother because of the underlayer. Yeah. For me, yeah. I would say that it's yeah. going to make you faster because your, your body temperature in the heat, when you get hot, when you overheat, you lose concentration. Yeah. Fast. Right. Your so body um, can use up, up to 90% of your uh, body's energy on heat on yeah. uh sorry i got distracted because my no, husband just went over there with his pretty face and I got hi, husband. <laughs> hi husband <laughs> he was like oh, whoa. Uh, whoa, sorry. um so yeah so thermo like thermoregulation essentially so if you keep cool then you you're able to actually like continue your day for a longer period of time right. but also with him particularly it was because he was able to slide around in his leathers more and without the binding in your arms too. So a lot of people would get what they call, you know, the, the term is arm pump. Right. Um, but it's actually, there's a lot of different medical terms for the different things that are happening. But one, one of the main ones that I've noticed is that people were just having binding in their leathers, which was creating an issue with the circulation in their arms. So putting on a base layer, especially our ours, because it's ex an extremely slippery fabric, you can slide around within your suit a lot easier. And that's what allows you to A, have more energy throughout the day reduce muscle fatigue, uh, keep cool so you're not expending energy that way, and not dehydrate because you're not sweating a lot. Right. Yeah, and, I tested, uh, yeah, I tested the product uh, when I did that veterans charity ride and had to ride across the Mojave Desert, and they were handing out cooling vests to all the guys, and I was wearing my Venom layer, and the cooling vest, uh, after, after 20 minutes, the cooling vest turns into a hot, wet blanket, whereas I just took it off because my venom layer was keeping me cooler than these supposed cooling vests. Yeah, that's I find that you know the problem with a lot of these cooling vests, wristbands, headband, whatever it is, man. Yeah, it's fine for the first 20, 30 minutes, but once it starts to dry out, it it has the opposite effect, right? It makes you yeah, hotter. I'm wearing a hot blanket. Exactly. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what am I doing? Right. So you just take it off, throw it away and 
you know, figure out something different. But yeah, listen, you two coming together. It's it's uh I know you guys ridden on the track together before, correct? I have. I oh have. yeah, we have had some battles. <laughs> some we'll call it battles. Stephanie each other in corners. Yeah. Yeah. What we do is, I, I, you know, because my, my my big ass, I you know, I have to. I don't need a leader bike, but because I'm so large, I have to haul my butt around. So a larger bike, I have to pay for a larger bike. And so Aliki is always on like a smaller Kawasaki, you know, Ninja or something. And I'm on this big leader bike. So me and I'll be just doing third down the straightaway, and I'll just sort of wait for her to pass by. Well, we we do what I call hare and hound. Um, I'll to help her practice for her racing, you know, I'll go out and I'll go with her and I'll get in front of her and I'm like, okay, practice your pass on turn four. Cause you know, we were doing you know, like Thunder Hill. It's a tricky pass to get, you know, get the, and she was, you know, getting good on her line to, for passing in turn four. And then I could easily go around her, you know, on the straightaways with my R1 and then, you know, next lap. Okay. Show me that pass again. You know, she died. And I can recognize a leaky, you know, eight bike, you know, 10 bike legs ahead because She's got frog legs that stick butt. out. It's the, butt and the, <laughs> her legs stick out. the way she flat, the way she, her riding style and where her body position. I always see these brown, these like thighs like sticking, sticking out. Like, oh, yep, there's a leaky. Doesn't matter what bike she's riding. I can spot her anywhere. That's awesome. That is awesome. Know. Yeah, good, good to know, right? Yeah. So, listen, Aliki, what is your favorite racetrack you've ever been on? Oh, why is that? Oh, good question. Damn. Oh, I can't wait. You know, <laughs> okay, okay. I have been around the country. I've been on Coda, I've been to Laguna Seca, Thunder Hill, some of the main ones, Denning, CP. Um, but honestly, my favorite racetrack ever is what they used to call Mostport, which is the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park now. And it's the second fastest track in North America. And I'm shocked that a lot of people don't know about it in the US. God damn it, that track is insane. I mean, okay, just visualize this, all right? So you get on this straightaway. I used to race the 600, so I think I was on a, I think I was an R6 at the time, like we're talking a carbureted 98 R6. 99, 98. In 2007. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And, but like pinned to the tips all the way up the straightaway, which is basically has these kind of like up and down, up and down situation. And then when you get to the end of the straightaway, normally one would hard break and turn, you tuck underneath the windshield, you downshift twice, and you just pray to God that you're going to survive <laughs> and hang off that bike while not being a sail. And by the time you get to the apex, it comes down a hill and it comes up like this. By the time you get to the apex, you're in mid fourth gear. Wow. The oh, most fun. gnarly straightaway. You have to have some cojones in order to to get it done right. And I, I there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it because I mean, I I don't know what it is in miles an hour, but I, I remember looking down at my speedometer, which isn't usually accurate anyways when you're racing, but I was looking at 275 kilometers an hour pinned going over this crest, going down, downshift twice, go. Like just no breaks. Awesome. Everybody yeah. needs to ride that track. What a mega feeling, right? So, so <laughs> uh, uh, along with that yeah. question, hang on, Cal, I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, but along with that, who's your favorite Canadian superbike rider? Jordan Zote, Miguel Duhamel, Steve Crevier. <laughs> Steve Crevier. Oh, my God, that asshole. He's such a little <laughs> dick. I love him. 
he's just he's he's there's the guy there's always one you got you know it he is, comes into the is. racetrack and he's like he'll rub you the wrong way at first and you're like who the hell is that and then you fall in love with him because he's just like he's there he's, he's authentic yep. he's kind of like cat i guess in a specific way where you're like, ah wait i love you when you get to know him but i yeah. i remember he sold i have to say he sold a pair of leathers i'm outing him to someone at the racetrack and i remember later he came to me and he told me i took a piss in those <laughs> <laughs> what a story that's awesome was, that guy does not give a, a shit like a, excuse my language man he does no, not you, care you and i cuss. love that yeah absolutely guy. you can cuss so yeah, yeah, yeah. be, on be yourself grid and if, He's like, man, if you gotta go, you gotta go, and he'll just pee in Facts. his leathers and keep going. I mean, <laughs> I've done it in my own leathers before. I mean, yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah, absolutely. It's another way to keep cool. I'll tell you. <laughs> Especially if you have had the venom on. Now you're even extra cool, right? This is yeah. before my venom days. Oh, okay. This was a long time ago. But yeah, no, he, I would have to probably him. Yeah, That's that awesome. guy. He was always uh, entertaining. It, it yes yeah i remember steve yeah. curvier well, yeah. what a person right i've met him several times i actually got a sign oh, yeah. poster up on my wall by him yeah, yeah I've, I've been man i've been watching road racing for a long time i watched valentino come up eddie lawson freddie spence i've watched i've been watching racing in the fan for a long long time ama mm -hmm. dmg moto america the whole nine um so yeah cat listen yeah. same question to you bro what is your favorite racetrack not just in america mm -hmm. but your favorite track in the whole wide world that you get on you're just like this is absolutely fucking heaven. This is it. It's it's a tough one because obviously I've been to some really good racetracks, but I, I this is a common answer because people ask me this one a lot. Um, and mine is, is Phillip Island uh, because it is a it's a racer's track. There's more than one fast way around it. And this is why racers love it. This is not a this is not a track that's good for qualifiers, you know, who then just take off at the race. Since there's more than one fast way uh, through a turn, it's possible for you to like race and challenge with your buddies and, and whatnot. And I love the the Southern Loop. That's my favorite turn. Uh, it's right there, right next to the ocean. Uh, beautiful view. And I always double apex that turn, and then uh, getting on through the second apex and just throttling out of it. I mean, that's that's the best one. I, I love the Southern Loop at, at Phillip Island. It's uh, its facilities aren't as good as say like Mugello or Catalonia, but the circuit's really grippy. Um, and hey, it's got the best the best local town, the the town of Cows next to it. It's a resort town. It's a beach resort town with a MotoGP track right next to it. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, I got friends that that live out there, and they tell me they say, "Man, if you wanna don't come to Phillip Island for MotoGP, right? Just solely for the fact that people watching it, it's kind of shitty for for spectators watching it, and in their uh, restrooms and all that are like almost non-existent. Yeah, it's, right? it, it, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they say it's horrible. So, okay, uh, as far as that goes, Rodden Stoner's Corner. What's that like? Um. You gotta have some balls to put up, pour it on on Sonar's Corner because you can't quite see through where you're going. Uh, so you've got to get on the gas, and then no, you've got a heavy, heavy braking zone coming up for Honda Curve, right. which a lot of guys screw up. And also, you don't have any heat in the tires on that side, so you do have to brake heavy for that turn. 
so it takes it takes cojones to get on the gas for stoner's curve a lot of guys after after the southern loop they just kind of they kind of wait they kind of like throttle then they just hold the throttle open and sort of wait behind the curve whereas you know the more aggressive rider will go this is stoner's corner they, you know you got to get on it uh and i've kind of learned to do that i'm looking forward to going back uh, and riding Stoner's Curve, you know, while getting on the gas harder, you know, but you got to brake hard for Honda Curve. It's coming at you. I bet. Uh, yeah, I, I bet it is. So, listen, out of all the racetracks in the world, Aliki, that, that you've been on, what is your favorite corner? That one corner when you show up, described. you're like, I'm going I'm, I'm to murder this corner. Okay, there you go. Oh, yeah, there it is. Yes, 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 yes. yes. All right, Kat, same thing with you. Yeah, I, you've been, same one. Dude, listen, yeah. you've been blessed, Kat, to – be the privilege to ride all these race circuits in the world that us moral mortals are would love to do right so out of yeah. all the tracks you've been on what is your favorite corner of all time out of any track you've well, been I mean, on? I just mentioned the southern loop but let me think of think of another turn corkscrew. that's really fun the corkscrew mm -hmm. is a blast um and it's not as scary as as people like you know because you do it the first the first couple of times it's pretty it's kind of spooky and then once you've done it once you know your turn-in point, it's fun. It's a blast. Yeah. Um, it's super banked if, if people haven't done it. Um, it's, it is. Once I've you get there. the right line, you are right in the banking of both. So it almost feels like a um, like a roller coaster. And then going down rainy right after it, your stomach kind of goes, yeah. and fingertips. Yeah. <laughs> That's I kind of like uh, yeah. Poggio Seco. Poggio Seco at Magello. It's just a it's just a standard 90 return, but it's right there and it's it's what you do before and what you do after. Um yeah. Yeah, and there's Look some turns at Bruneau. I'm trying to think of turns at Bruneau that are fun. Bruneau is really, really wide. Yeah, it's that's massive, what I've heard. Massive heard wide circuit. So you can really haul ass on that track. It's sad that MotoGP don't go back to Bruno because that was one of my favorite tracks. Besides Magello. You know you know that's a political thing i know it is yeah. it's not people like to say it's a, it's a track surface thing uh the track surface at bruno you kind of have to watch your rear because your rear can overheat the track surface uh will get hot uh but it's not it's it's not something that would disqualify it it's a great circuit with a good facilities this is a moto gp level quality circuit so the reason moto gp isn't happening there there's something else going on it's not the yeah. track yeah it's, it's sad too because uh man bruno always brought really good racing right um it's such a a good flowing track i love playing on my playstation i know that for sure right yeah. it's, it's, the elevation it's awesome. much more distinct when you actually get at the track is you go that's where you have your biggest problems is that that last that last turn going uphill you get on the gas going uphill and that's where your rear end will get loose and your your rear end gets the rear gets greasy and starts overheating you'll kind of slip out anyway. yeah yeah so i remember when i first went i went to laguna seca in 2005 when moto gp first come back and uh, of course growing up watching the court screw you finally get there and you look up you're like holy shit right they're not joking it's it's up there it's the same thing as like a, a turn one at coda when i first went to coda and i was like damn i mean it's literally you know straight up hard left then right then back down and, and, and carry on through it's uh it's amazing to actually see those guys approach those corners and break as deep and as hard as they do 
I'm sitting there watching them on the fence, grabbing it like, holy shit, right? Like, I, they, I, yeah, I, I would. It, it's just like everybody asks me, hey, have you ever drug your elbow before? Yeah, absolutely. But right after that comes my shoulder and my hip and my leg. And, oh, there goes my bike. Bye. Right, right. That, 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 that comes along with it. But watching them guys, man, at that track do it is just it. Us more, uh, uh, more, uh, us humans, I would just say, non aliens, uh, it blows my mind how deep and how aggressive they are on the brakes. And then as soon as they let off, they're immediately back on the gas. You see the pitch of the bike and you're just like, wow, speechless, right? It's, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Um, you guys, been- seven, all I ever wanted to be was an X Wing fighter pilot. You? Close yeah, of course. Close you know, I was a and so, so when you dive into when you dive into a turn there at Laguna Seca, to me this is this is red five. I'm going in. <laughs> oh, that's good. I love it. That's good. That's right. Like Top Gun, goose, goose, goose. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. I love. It. So I listen. Yeah. Coming to that, uh, let's just change it up real quick. So listen, uh, your favorite movie, and in that favorite movie, what actor would play you? This is oh man, I, I, that's that's a tough one because I watch a lot of films, and now you're now you're saying it has to be a movie with somebody who's relatively like me, and that's <laughs> there's no one like Kat. I was gonna you say Cat. There, there's nobody like you. So like me, I would want uh, whatever movie it is. I want I'd want Keanu Reeves to play me, right? I want Chris Hemsworth. There you go. Yeah. And what's Chris the movie, Cat? Well, listen, it could be what? any movie. It could be any movie, Cat. Chris Himmler's plays you, but what movie would he play you in? Star Wars. I want Chris, no, I want Chris Hemsworth to to play the the story of my life. I want I want that okay. to be a movie. A crazy, bizarre world of of running motorcycle tours. You know, it's we do some nutty stuff, and just watching people change and handling what we call cucumbers. Uh, on the tour, it's it's always crazy watching. You're gonna have to tell them about the flying cucumber thing. Yes, flying cucumbers. Okay. <laughs> this, yes. This, it's this is wait a second. It's this side. It's this side. Okay. This shirt made by made made by Venom for some strange reason um, uh, has the the emblem for the first pickle squadron. Uh, and everybody who is a tour guide for Layout Escapes is a member of the first pickle squadron. And this comes from my Italian partner Enrico. And Enrico says, as soon as the tour starts, the air becomes filled with invisible flying cucumbers. And you never know when you as a tour guide are going to have to feel one go right up your ass. And this is, <laughs> this an example of a cucumber is, cat. I think I left my passport at the last hotel. Oh, shit. Oh, you know, shit. Is, you know, the, be- the one we had, uh, the one we had two tours ago, uh, client, you know, me- messages me, hey, cat, I'm I'm up at Paso Pordoi, and both our bikes stop. It won't start. Both your bikes, both bikes. There's the there's the important clue. I said, were your bikes smoking at all earlier today? Yeah, actually, they were. You filled both your bikes with diesel fuel. <laughs> Bikes down to Bozzano and have the diesel fuel drained out of the tanks and clean the injectors. And yeah, that's that's a cucumber. And our job as tour guides is to turn cucumbers into pickles. 
And, uh, you know, if you want to know somebody, travel with them. Facts. Think you know your neighbor, you don't know your neighbor. Yeah. Tra you know, travel with somebody for 12 days and see them experiencing new cultures and dealing with new stuff and see the full range of their emotions. You'll find out who somebody is real quick. I bet. I bet. Uh, Robert Lackey says, Tosh says, Christopher Lloyd yeah. is cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think he's i think he's getting up there in years but yeah 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 L listen mad again scientist, mad scientist is definitely what they refer to as my personality scientist. type that's awesome yeah. big shout out to robert lackey and, and tosh and the yeah. awesome family they're they're amazing Hi, robert and tasha. yes yeah, Rob. same thing yeah. listen I, I gotta give a shout out to michael carrera and his son juju again thanks for that hat everybody in south florida mini gp all them people are amazing and uh yeah you guys need to hit them up if you guys ever wanted to take your kid out there and yeah, get them started. So yeah. So listen, Aliki, who would play you and what movie would they be in? I don't know. I just know the motorcycle. <laughs> 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 Favorite movie, probably the fifth element with Mila Jovovich. Oh, if I said her name right. Nice. Oh, yeah. Chica? Like yep. she's just so goddamn cute. She <laughs> is. She's awesome in that she, movie. She can play me. That would be, I could be her in that movie. I love her. She's okay. so cute. Multipass. She's awesome. She yeah, oh, no, The that. red fiery hair. And that. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell. <laughs> She's awesome. Yeah. It's a great yeah. movie, too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going so, to say Tasha can guess for me. She can do the work for me. All right, Robert, Robert, <laughs> have Tasha. Uh, 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 what character is, is Aliki going to play? Who, who's going to play Aliki in, in their movie? So, uh, Kat, what's the craziest uh, story you have as far as being on tour with guests, right? Does somebody just go full-blown psycho and red Rome, red Rome, right? Uh, yeah. What happens on tour, particularly, on tour. Uh, um, particularly Americans who are from, let's say, a it, it, it doesn't happen from people from the coast. It'll happen from people who are more from the Midwest, uh, who are just used to a general homogenized type of life. But my Italian partner says, oh, no, well, now we have somebody from Texas. Texas. Texas is, you know, got some great people, but Texas, all the people are kind of the same. They're used to living in this world. And you suddenly throw them into the middle of, of Europe and things are very different. The problems we have on tour are usually related to culture shock. I've seen, not on my tours, but I've seen people freak out so much they had to go home. Things were just too different. And this is wow. Europe. Europe not that hard to survive in. Right. But it's just, it, the world is so different. Not everyone speaks your language. They have different cultural customs. And so all the problems come from there. I mean, I had a guy in Chemnitz in East Germany, like, He'd had a bad day. It was a tough logistical day to get up to Chemnitz from, from Munich. And he's trying to order grits in Eastern Germany. This is just not going to happen. I mean, the, the waitress doesn't even know. Waitresses, oh waitresses don't, they don't do Canada, special Canada, I didn't even know what it was. Right. I mean, yeah. in Europe, particularly in Germany, you don't ask the waiter or waitress to do to to make alterations. That that's just not a thing. It's considered insulting to the chef, and the last thing the 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 waiter or waitress wants to do is insult the chef. So don't ask for substitutions or anything. 
Uh, but this guy wanted some grits. And like, so I finally convinced him to try some croquettes, which is basically deep fried mashed potatoes. He wanted some comfort food. I'm like, okay, here we I mean, so it's just, but the insane craziness that we have to deal with. Uh, we had one couple, poor woman. Uh, she was such in, in so much culture shock. She came to my wife on like the third day of the tour. And said, I, I've just sort of come to terms with the fact that I'm, I'm going to die here. <laughs> you know, and we're like, oh, honey, you know, no, 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 that's your fight. Meanwhile, you know, afterwards, we're like, <laughs> Facts, right? Yeah. Did you hear what this woman just said? Yeah. yeah. This is Europe, you know. It's so much safer than where you live at home, and yet yeah. you think you're going to – it's because she was just so scared, so freaked out that the world was just so different. You know, folks like this will go to McDonald's three times. They'll eat every meal at McDonald's. If they're not with you, you know, if like after the tour, before the tour, these are the people who will only go to McDonald's to eat when they're in Italy. Gotta I'm give him props for doing it. United States. Yeah. yeah. Eat that yeah, shit. For, for, for getting out of the country. And I, I think they went back. I think they went back and went to Italy again uh, and took a tour with my Italian partner. But it was just, you know, the world was so different for them. And that's where you get the scariness. And also, you'll have other conflicts on tour where there are certain people that when they get insecure, if they can't be the captain of the ship, they'll sink it. They'll do whatever they can to sink it. And these are the people who are behind your back are like, oh, well, I can't believe they do it this way. If I were in charge, I'd do it this way. Oh, my God, do you believe what they do? You know, and, but they're never doing this in front of you. Uh, and But you, mm, my hearing's actually pretty good. I'm like, really? <laughs> they can't relax and just let go. They have to be in charge of something. And if they can't be in charge they're going to bag on whoever else is in charge. And I'm sure in our professional lives, we've run into people like this. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, well, they're even worse on tour. <laughs> I, I guarantee, you know, like, like uh, me and Aliki was talking, I'm getting ready to fly out Monday to London. I'm going to Louth is where I'm staying at for the British Superbike race at Caldwell Park. Uh, because uh, Dave Neal, I had Dave Neal on since then. Big shout out to Dave Neal and his a podcast called Off Track. We become really good mates, and uh, yeah, he made it happen. Of course, I'm paying for my own trip, but he, I got the you know access to the paddock and all that good stuff. Uh, it's been, uh, I can't wait. You don't even know. I'm such a huge fan of BSB. Um, to me, it's well, the racetracks are a lot like America racetracks, right? They're narrow. They're not as wide. They're bumpy. They, they're not perfect. Okay. Um, there's certain places you just don't want to crash. Um, yeah, but you're but, going to Caldwell Park. Right, I'm going to Caldwell. I'm going to the Mount. Yes, That's the, the cool, mega. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes, like Steve, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. And yeah. uh, it, it's uh, man, what an honor, man! I can't wait to go see the mountain jump. I can't wait to. Uh, and the bikes are awesome too because their electronics ain't as sophisticated, so it's more down mm -hmm. to the rider skill not the PlayStation electronics on the motorcycle, right? And to me, that race organization and the way they do it is just brilliant. Um, and I can't wait to go be a part of it. And I can't wait to – I got up-and-coming guests coming on while I'm over there. I don't want to give away, but a leaky nose. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be – I can't wait. I'm full-bore chuffed. I just want to eat 
crumpets and tea and all that good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, gonna have a, you're gonna be having chicken tikka masala. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love chicken tiki masala. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a national dish. It's like döner. Döner in Germany is is the national dish. It's Turkish food. Well, in in the UK, it's it's Indian food. Tikka masala. I love, love Indian food. I do. Yeah, I do. Well, you're gonna find that's just some of the best Indian food in the world. Is is yeah. in the UK. Yeah. No, the, the also said, yeah. go ahead. I'm gonna be at I'm gonna be at the the Manx TT while you're at Caldwell Park. Uh, man, how far is that away from where I'm gonna be at? Uh, your Caldwell Park, uh, you'll be like three or four hours, but you got to get ferry tickets and cross ferry. It's it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm sort of researching the possibility for another tour uh, in the UK and would love to combine Wales, the Isle of Man, and Silverstone, doing track time on Silverstone. Speaking, but I gotta of find. Bikes. I'd be down. I would, yeah, me too. I uh, listen. That that's one of my favorite race. It, probably my favorite race of the year is the TT. Um, ever since I first seen it when I was a little kid, I was glued, thinking to myself, "Holy shit, yeah, these guys are ripping on the streets, and this is legal." Are you kidding me? And yeah, since then I've been just such a huge fan. They um, those racers are. They just got something different in their brain versus normal road racers, right? They Whatever it no is, fear. right? It it don't. But a lot of times they don't. Well, back in the day, now they do, right? Davy Todd and all them. They're fast on the road courses too, as well. But back then, the road racers at the TT wasn't that fast on closed circuits, right? It's it's uh, I guess again, it's just different, right? They feel maybe safer on the open roads, telegraph poles, it's houses. Different type of riding. It is. It is. Um. But man, have have you ever ridden the the, the TT? No, uh, this is my first time to the Isle of Man, and that's okay. that's actually my ancestors are, are originally the Olaf the Red had two sons, and his second son was Laod, Mac Laod. So I'm I'm going back to going back to some ancestry there, and I've never been, and I'm looking forward to it. We got a little Airbnb spot with a big old hot tub kind of in the center of the island. So we'll be able to take different roads, different portions of the course to, to watch practice and the racing. I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing it with uh, with Liza from uh, the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast to kind of scout out potential tours. Well, good. She's Shout awesome. out to, to Liza. Yeah, and her yeah. podcast. So listen, I got a buddy, Adam Bauer, that's actually going to be racing at the Manix TT. So you got to make sure you stop by and say a big hello to Adam. He lives out here in, in America. So yeah, just go by and say hi to him, Kat. He, he would really appreciate it, um, for sure. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So a uh, uh, leaky. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I got so much I want to ask. I'm just trying to pick out what question I actually want to ask you to, to begin with. Um, so it, you you grew up in Canada. How, how much different is the racetracks out there compared to to the American oh. tracks? Wow. Okay. All right. Okay. Good question. That is a damn good question. So I was, um, I'm from the East coast of Canada or not East coast, more like central Toronto area where we have, um, Shannonville, we have the most port, we have Calabogie and I grew up there and that was my home. That was my family. Um, mostly in Shannonville, which was what I had mentioned before, super tight technical track. Also, like reference points all over the place. Look, there's a grass patch right there. So make sure that your tires on the left of the grass patch. And then that little hole right there, you want to miss that. And then you have to have your tire between like this area if you don't want to crash. So I, <laughs> so I learned 
reference points on track, reference points on track. And, uh, you know, that's what got me around the racetrack. And then when I decided to come into the, oh, <laughs> I have too many stories. <laughs> so when I came out to the, to the racetracks out here, probably the best example is Thunder Hill um, because it is a fast track and the reference points weren't necessarily on the track they were like the far tree out in the distance over there and the big water tower over there um if there were reference points at all so i slowed down a lot when i came here because i was just used to having these sort of markers on the track to know where i was going and um when it was just this open free track with oh runoff that you can actually run off and not kill yourself too that was uh, a different world so the riding is very different. Uh, I, I'm comparing um, California specifically to the Toronto area, by the way, um, because I didn't do a lot of East Coast tracks in the US, but um, in California, people just send it a lot more, a lot more. Just, just, just send <laughs> When I came out right? here, I was like, holy shit, you guys are just sending that. Where do I get you to and, Australia? How and why, right? you know? And, and I couldn't like wrap my head around like the, what to me was, a lot more dangerous and um and the rules and that kind of stuff were different too and over time i started to realize well it's because you have these open tracks with a ton of runoff that you can take that risk the track is wider you can take that risk you know right. so those risks were you know and that's that's why but here's an interesting thing the difference between um my experience with canadian tracks and all of the u.s tracks or almost all of them uh straight away hard break turn right in canada straight away hard break turn left in the u.s and i so, was i was pretty good at my racetracks i was like oh, look at me i'm a big head and all that whole thing until i came out here and i realized that i had to do a hard break high speed hard break turn left <laughs> i just like yeah no. Lost I, in I translation. You're like, holy shit. A group right down to C group. Like, oh, instantly. we'll get you to Aragon. Oh, yeah. My head was a little inflated when I came to the US and it just shrank. Yeah. Deflated. When I first came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And I had to yeah. start learning things from scratch again because I get out here again, California specific. Everybody is about Ken Hill, California Superbike School, Yamaha Champions Riding School. Training, training, training. Take your courses. This is how you train. Whereas, you know, way back when in Canada, we didn't have any courses. You just went out there and you just railed. So I had to retrain coming here. I had to slow back down and, you know, start really putting into practice those things that I had learned to get that fast again. And so it's really interesting. Like I used to be quick and then I was like, <clears throat> and then it's taken me another eight years to get back up to probably where I was before and a little bit more, but, but with knowledge behind me and skill. Right, so there is, right. you know, California is good for that. There, It's all about learning and learning and learning and technique and technique. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. uh, m m m big yeah. shout out to my buddy, Ray Hindi. He said, th this is do you care? He says, I don't know who this dude is, but he's fucking awesome. <laughs> but Pulp Fiction, that would be oh. your movie, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like for in sure. all sorts of every part of that movie, actually. <laughs> That was the, 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 the sexiest thing you must have ever looked. Was just a, Let's go. Yeah. Facts. Just, just, just yeah. a slight rubbing of her nose. I said, That's God it. damn. <laughs> just like, okay. Now I'm seeing him. I never thought she was sexy until that movie. I'm like, okay. Now I'm seeing her. <laughs> like, have, have you ever had a Royale with cheese? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's only yeah. that's only in France. Everywhere else, everywhere else is called a quarter pounder. It's it's like it's more American. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you'll you'll get a quarter pounder which in, in uh, other parts of Europe. That's also Robert Lackey said, okay, it took a second for her to think through this, but Tosh says Malia J is perfect for a leaky. Ha, ha, ha. That's Mila Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could never say her last name. I'd straight murder it for sure. A hundred and ten percent murder it. So yeah, so so out there, Leaky, you said so a lot of the Canadian racetracks are opposite from ours. They're more rights than they are uh, and ours is here is lefts, right? So right. Like yeah. counterclockwise. Not clockwise. <laughs> Something to do straight away left, straight away right. Uh, Instead of straight away right, straight yeah, away I'm right. like, now no, I'm thinking about all the better GP circuits and which direction yeah. they go in. Yeah, you're like, uh. <laughs> so uh, listen, yeah. if you could partner with any rider in the world, what what team would you partner with and who would be your rider? Oh, hey, that's a good one for Venom. But th there's a thing. With, is is it a trophy sponsorship? Something you would just love to do versus one you think would be effective for your business? I think uh, let's yeah. just do both, right? Let's do both. It could be MotoGP, World Superbike, Canadian, ASBK, whatever, British Superbikes. <laughs> so I – to me, it's really important to be able to work with people that are just awesome people. So I built my business knowing that I wanted to bring – the right people to me, <clears throat> you know, not everybody dies with everybody, but there's a certain right. kind of person and we all grab like the three of us are gravitating towards each other. As we Absolutely. Speak. Um, so when I talk partnerships, like when I make business decisions, a lot of it has to do with how good that person is to me in my mind and how, you know, so um, I do have a lot of product with uh, MotoGP, uh, Moto2, World Superbike riders. And I, I don't usually, I don't know if I'm veering off the topic slightly, but I, I don't usually approach some cold call. Here's a contract. I'll pay you $5,000. Will you wear my stuff? I really enjoy working with people. Okay. So, um, 2021, uh, Moto two world champion, Remy Gardner is a really good example. You know, I, I am so pleased to have had him wear my product for the last, uh, maybe I'm going to guess about six years now. And, I love working with him because he's freaking awesome. Like he's just this cool down to earth dude that just, you know, like you kind of have this, oh my God, I can't believe I'm walking into your box at MotoGP right now, right. you know? And, and he's like, oh, hey, what's up? You know? Right. <laughs> and you're and like, he talked to me. He just, he likes the product. And um, I think a part of it too, is that we're able to put his logo on his base layer. Whereas everything else he wears, his helmet and, and everything, and I, I say this as a blanket statement for all of the riders that I have on a professional level, um, on a world level, I think they're they're over the contract thing, you know? Yeah. So it's so nice for them to just be able to have like their logo on a base layer without all the requirements of you have to wear it here, you have to wear it there and do all these yeah. other things. Um, and the feedback that I get, I get a lot of feedback from uh, Remy Gardner, Marcel uh, Schroeder, and Jonas Folger. Those are my three favorite I love working with. Um, Jonas Folger this year is a KTM tester for MotoGP. Yep. Yep. We have um, Marcel Schroeder is now World Super Sport uh, with MV Augusta, and he is dominating and doing really well. And all three of those guys have taken the time to come to me and give me feedback on the product to help me better the product. So those are the kinds of people I like to 
to work with. Um, one story I was at, uh, I was working with American Honda at uh, Coda MotoGP a number of years ago. And I was able, Jonas, Jonas Folger uh, yes. was, I'm terrible with pronouncing names. It's okay, me too. It was, I'm trying to remember. I think it was his first time at Coda. I think it was everybody's first time at Coda. And um, and I, you know, I didn't want to, it's kind of like a modest Canadian over here. You know, I didn't want to wear my stuff, but I don't want to bother you. Notice, I got on. the stories of you in the paddock in Coda. You guys followed <laughs> <laughs> <were> in there. <laughs> So I, I, I knew um, his data technician and um, and so we, we went over to him and I gave him his, you know, custom gear with this cool logo on it. And um, I was like, OK, not wasting any more of your time. Go concentrate on learning that track and dominating. And um, so I went back over to where we were with the, the Honda demo rides. And this was the Saturday he got the product. So he didn't even try it on his practice. He tried it during his race for the first time. He just was like, oh, I'll just put this on and go race. Like, that's the cool thing about him is he's really, he's just open to, to trying new things all the time. Such a nice guy. Went out of his way, got himself a little cart, found me during the day after mm -hmm. <laughs> afterwards and told me what he thought of the product and was like, oh, you should put the logo here so people can see it better. And I really, you know, maybe just make it a little wider here and, and gave me a whole bunch of uh, feedback. And he came to find me. I was beside myself. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, I'm just this little nobody with some base layers. And you're like this world level guy right. who really wanted to go out of your way to help. So those three um, uh, people I had mentioned are, are my favorite riders because they always give me feedback. Um, we've changed the product up a little bit for each one of them. They've tried different things and they're on board every year and I don't have to pay them. That's cool. <laughs> because they actually just really like my product. And that was um, that was one of my goals from the get-go. I wanted to have the best base layers that you could get. And I wanted to get to a point where um, people just preferred it. You know? And so listen, I'm there. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like, obviously, you got the best. Uh, listen, everybody that's watching, what are you doing? Go to her website. What? Go ahead, yeah. Leaky. What is your website? Tell everybody else click, to get on right on now and order. <laughs> right now as we speak, you need to. Like what are you subscribe. waiting on? Let's do it. Right. <laughs> I can type it in for it. Yeah, if you want to be like a MotoGP guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you want to be the best. I mean, there's yeah. there's a reason behind it. I mean, there's um, they Absolutely. support me because a, a lot of it has to do with, with me and our relationship that we have. You know, they're, they're really, um, they are happy with me because I'm constantly coming up to them saying, how can I make this better for you? And um, there was an in interview that we just had with Marcel Schroeder and he said that, and I was, I was, I was very happy to hear that, um, that they, they felt that I cared and that I was concerned about their riding and how they were doing on the weekends and stuff like that. So that's really cool. But I mean, a lot of it has to do with the technology. The, the fabric is Italian, um, which means that it was built very well The the elastin in the fabric is a certified Lycra uh, compression elastic, and it lasts forever. So the goal is to, to have something that lasted a long time, uh, that performed extremely well. And I think I've reached that goal. I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we're doing really well. We're expanding. We're expanding into Europe now. Um, and that's going to be a big thing that's happening in terms of having um a structure over there that's going to allow for easier purchasing in the in europe and in switzerland and so that's where we're going 
And, um, you know, just world domination is all I want. No big deal. That's it. World dominant. Pinky in the brain. What are we going to do today? We're going to rule the world. The same thing you're trying to do every night. Right. The same thing. take over the world. Yeah. Cat. Cat, remember we were just talking about, where were you? Uh, Magello? Yes, Magello. This is Magello. This is a good one. I I have to, I'm going to start this off. I'm going to let you finish the story. Yes, please. So, Doing I'd it say that, on the fly. <laughs> the whole reason, and, and I'm really gra- glad that Tasha and, uh, and Robert are on here as well from Bison, um, because we do have kind of a theme that goes on with our friendship where we support each other uh, all the time. I got this. Right. You got this. I got your back. Let's get this done. And there's times as an entrepreneur where you you got your highs and then like a second later, it's like crash and you've got to, you know, rebuild everything from scratch. But um when you have business partners that have your back in situations where you just like just can't that's cat that's robert and tasha you know the, the these are the kinds of people that you want to bring together in order to create something that's even bigger than any one of us so that we can then help grow the industry as well and sorry, i have a really um, yeah. Story this uh, year. yeah you know i like to talk so shut up <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. It's my turn. Let me finish. So, so, so I get, so I'm, awesome. I'm partnering with a woman named Anya in Europe and she, uh, she does a lot of really cool stuff. She has a marketing company um, and she deals with a lot of high-end racers um, and MotoGP and stuff like that. And she happens to be out at Mugello a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she says, oh, Jonas Volga's here. I'm like, oh shit. And I had just given her our new product with a new design. Sorry, not a new product. It's a new design. Um, and we wanted to launch it and get some photographs and stuff like that. And she's like, it would be cool if we had pictures of him in it, right? And at the same time, Cat uh, sends me a picture of his van. And he's like, oh, Jonas Folger's here. And I'm like, no, shit. You guys are all here at the same time. Like, how crazy is that? So I messaged Cat And I'm like, Cat, I need a photographer. <laughs> I'm talking the night before, right? well my time the night before and cat's like yeah i got you like he always does he's always got my back so during the middle of a crazy tour when they have a photographer and they're doing all their track days and everything this man and anya put together this like insane photo shoot with jonas Folger and everybody for me yeah. and uh, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that just blows your mind like i woke up the next morning to the most amazing photographs of like moto gp people in my stuff because I have people who support me and that are just as enthusiastic. And, you know, I hope Kat that I've been able to do things for you as well. Well, I mean, because... <laughs> your, your, your customer base, you tell them, was like, yo, where's the best place to wear your Venom sport? You thinking about getting another top? Maybe you can go on a tour and get one, you know, and go to a MotoGP track. Yeah. I, I know you send me business. It was really cool that I actually got to we talk. We worked together. Yeah. yeah, I got to talk with Jonas Folger. I got to talk with uh, with Anya, your your European rep. Um, and Jonas Jonas Blaz is yeah, she makes this great stuff. I really like it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's why I like it. Oh, it's cool. And like, and all right. And I had to ask him like, okay, this is my one chance to ask a MotoGP substitute rider what's the hardest part about being a MotoGP substitute rider, and you know. He, so he explained that it's about coming in 
and adapting to the changes in technology because the things change so quickly in MotoGP is all of a sudden he's got all these different devices he has to control while he's riding and how the tires have changed and how the bikes have changed and staying on top of that. You know, but Jonas is great. He's a really cool guy. But this yeah. is something I was telling like uh, my, my guide, Ricky, uh, who was there uh, that day. This is MotoGP riders, the super fast guys. Most of them, they're just like us. They're just like all your track family in the paddock. The only difference is they're fast as fuck. Same people. Yeah. Yeah. Same people that are like, yeah, I got some chicken on the barbecue. You got some extra? Yeah, no problem. Or like, hey, can you help me rebuild this engine? I got a race tomorrow. Yeah, these are the same people who will step up and help you out, you know, and they're part of the community. They're the same people. They grew up in this community. Uh, and for the most part, most of them are, are decent folk who are just like you and me. Yeah, I'd say the awesome. world level guys are even more modest than yeah. I would have ever expected. I, ever. I, I hope you I get to work with Brad Bender. Yeah, 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 Brad Bender, that's my dude right there. I, yeah. So uh, my host, Bull Jules, he says, what's up, everybody? He wasn't able to join us today because he's actually at work. So Jules, what is up, my buddy? Get back to work, son. No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I met uh, Jonas uh, at Texas this year. Actually, man, I met a lot of people. Got a lot of photographs. That's where I got I got a bunch of Ricardo Rossi's. So I met Ricardo. I got a big Marco Simicelli tattoo, okay? So I uh, I met Marco in 2008, first year at Indy. I was at a Brazilian restaurant. I can't think of the name. And I come out of the bathroom. And I look over to the right, and I said, holy shit, that's Marco Simicelli in the same restaurant as me. So I <laughs> run back to my table. My dad's looking at me because I'm just like this. He's like, "What are you? why are you in such a hurry? I was like, look over there, Dad. You know who that is? He's like, I have no idea. I said, okay, I will be outside. Here's my money, right? I'm going outside. So I waited outside. Marco come out. I said, hey, Marco, you know, I'm a fan. Can I get a picture? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked for a minute, and then he throws his arm around my shoulder, and he says, walk with me downtown. And I was like, <laughs> let's go, right? Let's go, right? So, so uh, every year that I went to Indy, up until obviously his last year in, in, in 2011, um, we didn't have each other's phone numbers, but every time I see, him, I was like, what's up, Marco? He would immediately make a beeline straight to me and give me a big old hug and a high five and turn around and walk away. And everybody'd be like, bro, you know, Marco, I'm like, I do, but I don't have his phone number, but yeah, that, that, that's my dude right there. Yes, that is my dude. So anyway, long story short, I meet Ricardo Rossi. I'm like, Hey, Ricardo, I'm a fan. You know, 658, he, he sees my, my tattoo. And he's like, oh, you're a big fan of Marco. I was like, yeah, I actually met his dad, Paulo, a couple times. He gave me a big hug, took a picture of my tattoo, spoke no English, talked to me in Italian for like four minutes, and I'm looking, I'm like a deer in headlight, like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, I appreciate it, right? Uh, and then so, dude, he brings me into his pit garage in the Moto3 team. So I get to go in there and meet everybody, all the crew, the whole behind the scenes, and even more of a fan right um so i asked him i was like hey you know i got this podcast you know can you sign some posters so i can give them away and he's like yeah yeah so dude i got a stack of them things like this he's just like here you go man here you go right but man what cool people there are it, it, it's just like what you just said man they're all down to earth you know they all it's just like well let's take jake dixon right last british silverstone talked not very kindly Right, because it it wasn't homeboy's fault; it was Jake's fault for, for for wrecking himself out. But 
we don't need that in, in our sport. I, I think that was a bad move on, on what he did, right? Um, everybody goes through their own emotions and, and they have a hard time. Um, but at the end of the day, they all sacrifice the same thing you do, right? Which is your life on the track, doing what you do, getting paid to do it. Um, but man, I've never had any issue with any rider I ever met. I, I take it back one time. I met Jorge Lorenzo at Indy. I think it was 2009. I had the Rossi hat, the Rossi <laughs> shirt on, right? But check it out. So he pulls up in front of the clinic mobile, and I'm like, oh, Lorenzo, I want a picture. And he's like, well, you're a big Rossi fan. And I real quick, immediately I said, well, I'm actually here with my dad. dad he's the Rossi fan. He actually bought me the, this hat and this shirt. Um, but I don't see nobody selling your stuff out here. But I'd like to have a picture. He says, take off your hat and take off your shirt and I'll give you a picture. So that's what I did to get yeah. a picture with Lorenzo. Right. But at the end of it, I'm thinking to myself, like that wasn't really necessary. Right. Cause we're, we're, we all support everybody, right. Whether you're a diehard fan of one rider or not, you don't want to see anything bad happen or trash talk or whatever. Right. So yeah, that guy's got daddy issues. Yeah. Like we've Colin Edwards some, said, we've had some encounters. <laughs> Leaky, we'll get to that. But just like Colin Edwards oh, no, says, no. He, he said, he said, uh, he said, I, I think Lorenzo's gay because I don't ever see him with any women at all, right? No, his entourage is all just dudes. The whole, even now, when you see him on Instagram, you don't see him with no women. You see him with his Lamborghini friends or where, wherever he's at. Yeah. His thing. Um, but I just thought that was funny. And that's one thing I loved about Colin Edwards is the honesty he always had. Right? He would. <laughs> Talk shit, tell it how it was, no holds bar. What a fucking guy, man. I miss Colin Edwards. Colin Edwards does not have internal dialogue. <laughs> that's the that's the fun about him. It is, it really is. So uh Aliki Lorenzo. She's like, no, all right, we'll leave that one alone. Sorry, everybody. So, we'll, we'll skip to that. Yeah. One of the um one of the things I did when I when I was starting the you know, like a few years back, um was my mission was to get a lot of MotoGP riders in my gear. So I would go out to MotoGPs and then I would go to the after parties on Sunday nights. And that's when, so in the, if people, should I say this? In when, when, uh, when the international riders come to the US, this is a really good opportunity for them to really party because they don't get harassed as much. Right. So they can go out to dinners and they can, you know, walk around and go to the parties and all that sort of thing. And it's, it's great for them and they, they enjoy it very much out here because it's just a different world, right? It's, you know, in they're Europe, not as they recognizable. Probably, right. They're right. not, yeah. I mean, yeah. like if you know, you know, and that's cool because then it's the cool guy that you know and then, yeah, so they really enjoy that. So I've been to a lot of those industry parties and I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> but <laughs> to your comment um, about the ladies, I do remember one year we were at, Laguna Seca MotoGP. So what was that? 2011 or something? Yeah. Anyway, one of the after parties, he had this entourage of ladies and they had in this bar in the after party, there was like kind of like a half wall and it was him in the center and there was about five ladies on each side of him and he was just like, oh, look at me. <laughs> Putting on a and show. He, every time he walked around, they would follow him. Like, you know, right. it was like the weirdest thing to see. So I bet. I tend to be a little bit of a shit disturber and get in there and like <laughs> I would too. I That's know. me. That's totally my personality. I'm like, hold on, what you guys got going Shut on in up, here? I'm yeah, I'm down, coming in. You know? What's up, Lorenzo? Oh, Let me yeah. sit down. What you drinking on? Let me try that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I did yeah. that. 
this is the but nature it was like of- they were almost as bodyguards it, that was the vibe oh, yeah. that i was getting off um, of. don't know him personally so i can't say too much about you know i can't speak to him as a as a human when you get to know him but right. that vibe that he had put out at the time was just like come on dude Fanboy. like everyone else is out here having a great time and you know high five and everybody else and stuff like that and you're over here in your corner with your entourage of, of ladies and- all by yourself yeah, yeah. I had some fun with that. It's an aspect of, of all three of us, really, <laughs> because we're all sort of entrepreneurial folks. You know, I try to explain to my tour guides, I said, I, I'm good as a tour operator, but I'm never going to be a great tour guide because it's a different personality that makes a good tour guide, you know, pleasing people and, and not rocking the boat. Whereas Aliki and I, this is what we do. We, we put out products that nobody's ever done before. Uh, it takes a type of personality to do that. And that personality doesn't always make for great personal politics. Fact. <laughs> you know, That's a fact. You know, I, I, I call the show um, As the Checkered Flag Waves. It's, it's the, the politics of the Friday community. Uh, yeah. Because politics in small organizations, particularly volunteer organizations, are so petty because the stakes are so small. Yeah. Uh, it can get kind of screwy. So it's always kind of a challenge for people like us to maintain this sort of civil relationship when we, as entrepreneurs, are people who bust through walls and say, no, I'm going to fucking do it my way. And, you know, uh, you know it's like, uh, hey, there's a reason I sent you that picture with a with a big banana sticking out of my leathers, you know, at Mugello. Because right. the, joke, the joke was ages ago, um, Aliki has her has her mannequin in her display area, and years ago at Sonoma Raceway, she put a big old banana uh, in the in the short in the basically underneath the, the the bottoms, you know, and it was just kind of a joke. And somebody complained about it, like you know, this is a family atmosphere, and you know, we're trying to you know, it was. And, and right. Aliki got really worried about it. She's like, oh no, this was one of my sponsored people and yeah. she really worried about it and they're like then about three or four days later it was the to convince her like will you just laugh about it this is a, this is a joke this is right. funny and so <laughs> after that it became a gag and we made all those little banana stickers with the little crazy eyeballs on it and whatnot i just so, made some more <laughs> i need one of those aliki no, you gotta no. send me one what yes. do they say bad publicity is always good publicity <laughs> and this was like the perfect example of that because um somebody on facebook was like this is inappropriate you know and right. um but then everybody kind of rallied behind the why is it inappropriate and um who is now on my French, uh, sorry, bleh. there's a guy named Frenchie who's now on my race team. Um, but how I met him was he, he saw this and he thought it was really funny. And he goes, Aliki, I want bananas. Make me bananas. Lots of bananas. Everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a gag for everybody who's part of the Venom community is, is a little stickers. cartoon banana. Yeah, and placing them <laughs> everywhere. And so he's actually now back on my race team, which is awesome. So we have this whole new wrap on our bike and on the front, um, it there's a a, a a monkey that's holding a banana like this ah! like that's like kind of hanging out i'll have to send a picture it's awesome so that has never failed but what happened was um at the time he kind of started like hyping up this whole banana deal and then everybody in the paddock at afm um wanted banana stickers and i'm like well i'll make banana stickers and then i will take the money and give it over to the benevolent fund nice. so 
I don't remember how much money we made, but everybody wanted to start like buying these banana stickers up so that we could raise money for the benevolent booth, which is a, a part like a charity yeah. that's attached to the, the AFM. And so it, it totally worked out. So that's why it kind of sucked. Because awesome. I just, I, there was the support that was behind it that was like, no, right. no, we're all like lighthearted and this is a joke and don't take it too seriously and let's, let's have some fun with it. And it, it, it made better for the community too, which was awesome. Well, I saw, I saw a big plate of bananas right there at Magello on a blade. I'm like, I need to grab, I need to grab, I need to grab Jason. Uh, so I grabbed Jason. I went over to the spot in Magello. I had the track picture. I sent her a picture with a big old banana sticking out of my leather. That was like the inside joke with all the Venom community is like banana. 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 I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work oh, yeah. after this when we get done. I'm going to oh. say a banana. Like, what are you talking banana. about? You, you wouldn't understand. Yeah, you just wouldn't understand. That's awesome, man. Awesome, man. Listen, what an honor it is to sit here, privilege, and talk to you two. I mean, oh, geez, we're we're the we're the we're the slow pokes, but we're we managed to make a go of it. <coughs> money. Yeah. Well, okay, okay. Yeah, you're doing good. You're getting fast. I want you want you to come out to Magello next year. You can beat my lap time at two thirteen, which is not yeah. particularly fast, but you know. I'm getting better. I, I can now, can I do this? Can I do this on a podcast? I don't Absolutely. know. But like, I have to take my moment. I have to own my moment. I'm do it. <laughs> I it it's all on you, Aliki. It's your I moment. I had literally the best race weekend of my freaking life last <laughs> weekend with, with CRA, California Road Racing Association at Button Willow, round three. And yeah, I was always kind of like the, you know, mid to back marker racer whatever you know all those kids are super fast up front well in in my in the defense of everybody else um we didn't have brendan kettleson and a few other of the moto america fast kids out this past weekend but um i was up there battling for third and every yeah. race that i was in what? <laughs> and i had no i i was just like you know, like you start off and then you go and I'm like, well, I always have good starts. So I was in third place. That's cool. Someone's going to pass me. And we had this. Um, so I, I'm on a Ninja 400 and it was uh, the GT, the Feel Like a Pro uh, GT, which is 14 laps. It's a long time. So I'm, I'm out there in third place. Like this can't last. Like this just can't last. This isn't happening right now. And then, you know, someone comes in front of me and it became this insane battle. And I guess I got the redness like I've, I've never had before because all of a sudden it was like we're going <laughs> and from the first race i did four races that weekend i was battling for third each time i never got third <laughs> but i was battling expert third each time how cool and within the 14 lap gt race i looked down at my uh my lap timer and i was pulling 203s and to me to me personally <laughs> that's fucking legit i'm like what what the hell is this like my best lap time before that was like a 207 at Button Willow. Wow, and my expectation at the yes. time was like, if I can do a 206. And then my expectation past that is if I could do a 205, I can just put the shit away and be done. I don't want to go any faster than that. Like, this is good. We're good. I'm happy. And to, so that to pull consistent 203s in a race blew my mind. Blew my mind. So the, the question, so I'm owning that moment. And then I was faster than Frenchie for a little bit of that, by the way. <laughs> Frenchie, you hear faster. that? Yeah, yeah, I know. I Frenchie, so are you listening? I'm that shit all up on Facebook. I'm like, I've seen that on yeah. your post on Facebook. Yeah. Too, laugh when you said that. Yeah, I, I saw that. I knew what that meant because Frenchie's yeah. 
I didn't, but now I do. Frenchie, now he I know did. the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a so coach listen. with Carter's at the track, and he's um, he used to be the kind of guy that would just like drink a bunch of beers at night and then go out there and win trophies all the time. So in my mind, to ever be any kind of close to the speeds that Frenchie could go would be like impossible. Ridiculously, lots of natural. You know, so but he's faster than me by 0.5 seconds now. So we're gonna we're gonna see what happens next race round. Frenchie, she's coming for you. You hear this, Frenchie? She is coming for you. But uh, on that note, dude, big shout out to Brennan Kellestine. Happy birthday, yeah. my man. Dude, bravo. Really? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. yes, and he's racing yeah. Moto America, man. This weekend, I got a lot of friends that are racing in Moto America. You know, Levi Batty, Rossi yeah. Moore, dude, Avery Dreher. I mean, it goes on and on. I wish every, all of them uh, a successful weekend, right? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't have a favorite, right? They're all my favorites. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on Kayla because she's. Kayla! Yeah, Kayla's awesome. I have a picture that I'm gonna dine off for the hopefully the rest of my life of Kayla Yakov braiding my hair in the paddock. At, at she's the so rad. You should have sent me that picture for the podcast. I'd have posted she's it the whole so package. She's not she only is. really talented, but man, she she always promotes her sponsor. She's always well spoken. I mean, hello. Mm. I keep trying to tell you, big companies get a load of this girl. Cover yeah. girl. Hello. Yeah. Here, here's you know, you Pantene. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah right. here's, here's your next post. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh my god, she's 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 awesome, and she's now over. You know, she she makes trips over to Europe, and she yep. kicks ass while she's she over. Kick it. ass, yes. really getting good. So I'm hoping she's the future for us. She is. She is the future. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question. Yeah, she. So I met her. Me and my son uh, last mm. year VR, which was last year for Moto America, we become really good friends with uh, Yondel Mendia and his dad Carlos. We actually hung out with him in the pits the whole weekend, and of course, Rossi and Yondel go out, and next thing I know, they're at the swimming pool at the hotel getting kicked out because they're not supposed to be there swimming in the swimming pool together, right? And, and of course, that, that's that's the weekend Kayla had that wreck and she hurt her knee. Um, and, uh, man, they all went out home to the trial. I'm looking for my boy. I'm like, Carlos, where's Rossi and Yondell? I throw right over there in, in Kayla's trailer over there. Right. And they all come out laughing and giggling. And I'm just like, where you been? Rossi's like, I'm hanging out with Caleb and all these people. And I'm like, I'm so jealous right now. Like, I'm just so <laughs> jealous right now. Right. Here's my 10 year old son. Uh, quick story about that trip. So we go down there and Rossi is such a character. My boy, right. He's got long hair. It's blonde. It's, it's, not as long as the leakies, but it's pretty long. So he was like, Daddy, follow me. I'm going to go around, and I'm just going to run around. I was like, okay, I'll follow you. So Rossi ends up taking off to everybody in the pits. He would just, like, run up right under Kyle Wyman's, the, the, the little, you know, the little stripe they keep there to keep people out. He'd run right up underneath there, tap a mechanic on his, on his shoulder and say, hey, buddy, you just dropped your pencil. And they would look down and look at him and laugh. And Rossi would laugh and take off. And he did that to everybody in the paddock, right? So we get to Jake Gagne. Dude, it was hilarious. And all, everybody's laughing at him, right? They're having a good time. He gets up to Jake Gagne. He he taps Jake on the shoulder. I mean, just rolls up in there. I'm like, Rossi, you can't do that. He's like, I got this. You know, I'm like, okay. Uh, waiting on security to come out, right? Anyway, he runs up in there, taps it. And mind you, Rossi don't know who any of these people are, right? He goes up in there, he taps on the shoulder. He's like, hey, you just dropped your pen. And Jake looks down. He says, oh, what you mean, this pen? And he pulls out a pen. He says, you hang on right there. He goes back there, grabs his knee puck, signs it, takes a big oh, old picture nice. with Rossi. And I'm like, dude, you know, that's this is what our sport's about, right? That, that, that love. It's 
I, I can't wait to take Rossi to Jersey at the end of the year. And uh, he already told me he's going to do the same thing. He's like, Dad, this time I'm bringing three pins. And because what he did is he had a pin, and when he tapped you on the shoulder, he would drop his pin and say, Hey, man, you just dropped your pin and pick it up and take off running again. And I was like, What a Dude, brilliant idea, you right? In the gas pins. I do. You're right. Oh, do. that'd be, be a great idea. That'd, that'd be the gag. That'd be the gag. You're yeah. like, oh, yeah, here you go. You dropped your pen. And and then they get to keep the pen. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. Great idea. I'm, I'm duly noted for sure. Yes, absolutely. Are you left-handed, Cat? Uh, <laughs> Are you uh, left-handed? Uh, or are you it, so creative? Well, it it. I'm both-handed. I'm like I use my left hand for my mouth for for my mouse. You know, and but I can also use the right hand. I wipe my, my butt I with my have, I've got two mice. <laughs> And so I control. I both shake people. people's hand with my left. Dustin yeah. Coiner says, "Ask Cat what's the deal with the kilt." What's the deal with a kilt? <laughs> well, okay. Here's here's the rules for for wearing a kilt. Okay. Um, first off, um, a true proper kilt. When they say the whole nine yards, the whole nine yards is actually nine yards of fabric. It's just fabric, and you have to know how to fold it. You literally have to fold it. it takes about twenty minutes to fold it properly. Uh, then you then you, you know, put it on it, throw it over your shoulder. Um, wearing also a regular, you know, quote modern kilt. You can that means you don't have to wear a tuxedo or a suit to any formal occasion. You can actually look like properly formal and cool wearing a kilt. Now, everyone always asks, is there anything one underneath of a kilt? Of course, no. Everything's in perfect working order. Everything's fine. Um, when you don't wear underwear underneath your kilt is when you're going drinking. Because, um, gentlemen, you know that if you're going to be wearing pretty hefty wool, hard-grade wool against your nether regions, you might want to be wearing some protection. But if you're drinking, it doesn't matter. So that's the only time you don't wear anything underneath your kilt. And, yes, I do know I do know how to fold a kilt properly for the whole nine yards, an ancient-style kilt, and I have a, a, modern, a modern formal kilt. So, yes, I do wear my kilt. So is it because like when you know you when you break the seal, then you don't have to worry about the whole underwear part? No, you just let it rip. Yeah, it's, just well, go, I, man. Just go. Pull a Steve Crevier. Fag, right? Just pull a Steve. <laughs> hey, by the way, I just pissed in those leathers. <laughs> Once you have a few nippy sweeties, it doesn't matter what you're wearing underneath your belt. But yeah, things can be a little bit scratchy, so you just you just drink some more scotch and it doesn't matter anymore. That's so awesome. Whoa. That's an interesting guy. I tell everybody, man, the guy is fucking crazy. I'm That's not why I love crazy. him. Hey, you no. are absolutely insane. Oh my god, are you serious? And this is coming from me, so that. Uh, you know, the one thing, the one right. thing I'm proud of. That's what we love about you. Man. A lot of times, really, what I love about Leaky is I go, uh, I where Leaky goes, I follow because she's about two or three years ahead of me in business development. She always has been, so she tells me, you know, like. The, the classic example of why I, why I'm running with bison leathers right now is because I I asked Aliki I said Lo I I'm I'm looking for a new gear partnership relationship. Uh, a lot of the guys with Yamaha Champions Riding School really tried to push hard for for Denise to to get me sponsored and there just wasn't in the budget for Denise and I'm like okay I need some new gear. Aliki, who's on target? Who who's out there? And we named off a number of brands, but you said there's one brand that's really in the paddock and that kind of matches what Layout Escapes is about. It's authenticity, it's quality, you know, it's good people supporting the track families, and that's Bison. Facts. So, you know, so that's, that's why I'm now, I'm, I've got to put out a press release about it and get some photos and everything about, you know, why, 
and explain why I'm going with Bison now. It's because Bison supports our track community and they're authentic people. And it's a good product. You know, I've, I've, this is the best fitting suit I've ever had in my life. And of course, in order to make sure it fit properly, I put on my Venom gear underneath it. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I'm already my clients, I'm talking to them about it. They're like, yeah, I'm in the market for a suit. So I'm like, already I've got people on. I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. To, you know, like, yeah, it's time for a new suit. I'm like, Kat, what are you wearing? I'm like, well, funny you should ask. So I, the next thing, I'm actually really eager. Next season, uh, I'm going to try out the custom fit gloves. And boy, that's. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm actually going to, uh, when I go to Jersey, I already talked to Rob. Because me, me and Robert are really good friends. Um, we talk all the time. Well, not every day, but yeah, we, we, we conversate. Uh, and I told him, I said, man, when I come out to Jersey, I want to, I want you to make me a pair of those uh, custom bison gloves you have, right? So yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to get all done up and, and the whole nine. Next will, will be the leather suit. But Here's here's my current problem. I've got a uh, new Tech Air 10 suit that I yep. got from uh, from Kevin Kahn, who's a wear racer. This was his spare suit, and he sold it to me. Problem is, it won't charge. Like there's the battery, so I'm trying to get. I'm on supposedly in line with the Alpine Star World, trying to get this suit uh, re- either replaced or batteries replaced or whatnot. But apparently, this is a common problem. So I'm testing out Alpine Star's customer service right now. <laughs> it's so not going very good, has, is it? Uh, they, like, yeah, they they got their own. Yeah, Heli. That's uh, what I was going to yeah. say, Leaky. I have yeah. been waiting for years and years and years for the Heli inner suit, but because covid and a whole bunch of other stuff they they weren't able to come up out with it in time for me to get my custom suit but try that i mean we so cat and i wear the outer key light vests too yeah so i was looking yeah, forward to but, you know wearing you know, wearing something internal and i paid yeah. big money for this tech tech air 10 suit because it would protect my hips um but it won't charge it's all right i got gps problems right now yeah. too i got a gps that won't charge this seems to be a common problem right now <laughs> Send it in, Cat. Hey, Dustin. Hey, yeah. oh, boy. <laughs> hey, talk about talk about a great member of the community. Uh, Dustin's his action with CRA right there made it a great. Also oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dustin's my buddy, man. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to Dustin well, and, well, and his podcast. Crazy. I mean, you have to be nuts you got to start to. an entrepreneurial yeah. business. We're, yeah. we're we're nuts. Yeah, you got to be crazy to do this. I mean, creating a business out of nothing that that puts out a product that's never been done before. Yeah, we're not creating a competing product. We're literally creating a product that that doesn't compete with anything. Right. I do do tours with track time. Nobody does that. And after ten years, still nobody does it. You can you can rent a track bike here or there, but nobody else. There's a reason. That shit ain't easy. So, Kat, yeah. uh, along with that real quick, man, uh, your mm-hmm. tours, right? Let's just touch base on that for sure. a second. Um, everything's included in that, right? Your bike rentals, your leathers, your boots. Or do you have to bring your own well, riding there's gear? Certain things, there's things I include and there's things I don't include for a reason. Um, okay. Like in Spain, the dinners are included. It's part of the tour and the dinners are included because – in Spain, we're going out to these far-reaching hotels, staying at these big old, you know, these you know, some in some cases they're castles. I mean, true, authentic, legit, ancient castle. We're staying there, but there's nothing else around, and so you gotta have something to eat. And so you might as well you know, buy the hotel package uh, and get the food. So dinners are included on the Spain tour, but in Italy, 
we're going to go out to a restaurant here, a restaurant there, a different place. I want you to order what you want to order because you're in Italy. Maybe you want to have the Florentine steak that's two-inch thick T-bone steak. Or, you know, you're in Rome. If you're in Rome, you have to order the carbonara. But maybe you don't like carbonara. Maybe you're insane. Uh, but so it's, it varies from two <laughs> um, You want your gear to fit properly on the day of. Of, of your track day, you know, at, you know, at Aragon or Catalonia, you're going to ride this amazing track. You don't want to be like, my gear doesn't fit. Yeah. You know? So I tell people to bring their own gear, but you can, if you have a standard Denise size, uh, you can rent gear. Uh, you can also try out a pretty cool AGV helmet while you're there uh, because they have the AGV rep and the Denise rep are there to let you try stuff out. But I, I sort of encourage people, you can rent gear if you want. But if you're an unusual size, you know, bring stuff. Uh, tour, you know, tour bike is included in the price, but there's lots of upgrades available. And some people want to pay for an upgrade. And for some people, they're lucky, they're short, they're small. <laughs> they don't have to pay a lot of money for a bike. Uh, airfare is not included because there is no such thing as the cheapest fare. Uh, there's like, well, yeah, there's the cheapest flight, but you have to ha connect through three studio. You have to connect through Istanbul. No, so it, I don't include mm. airfare. I, I used to sell airfare all over the world, but there's no such thing. So, get so airfare is not included because people have different choices. They want different things. Uh, luggage van uh, for the track and tour is always included because we got to haul our track gear around. It's not going to strap to the back of your street bike very easily, right. you know. And local guides, you know, that's included because you want to sort of uh, in, get in touch with uh, the country you've come to visit. Uh, so. There's different things that are included, but it varies from tour to tour. Most of the time, it's dinners are not included because I want you to order stuff. Breakfast is always included, you know, because Europeans do a good breakfast. It is not like an American hotel at all. Mm -hmm. I bet. Different stuff. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, that's why I'm excited to go to Europe. It's been my first trip, so I'm excited. I'm going to take it well, all in. You're not going to Europe. You're going well, to you know what I mean. I'm going, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm going to England, but to me, yeah, it's, yes, 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 yes. Well, don't I say you're in Europe. You, okay. the, 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 I'm in England. I'll be in London, near app. London, in Laos. Right, right, right. I get <laughs> facts, right? Show up on my next podcast with a black eye. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked yeah. around and found out. That's what happened. Well, the tours include always uh, two or three days on a MotoGP circuit uh, and usually we we do a lot of stuff with racing school europe uh other times it's just a straight up track day uh but that's your track fees your track bike upgrades to slicks and warmers are possible if you want to do that other people don't other people don't have a skill level where it's really worth the money right so, i'm yeah. planning one next year in spain yeah we gotta get you to have to go yeah you want to do catalonia or aragon Aragon. however we can time it with Aragon, our photo shoots sure. and our business yeah you know, we have a lot of writers and i don't know so. you know cataluna is yeah. awesome too because that's the 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 famous mm -hmm. 09 Jorge Lorenzo Ross last pack. yeah i bet i bet mm -hmm. it is it's it flows really good at least my experience on the playstation right it's it's an awesome track. <laughs> yeah yeah try doing that last pass just before the straightaway uh where rossi passed lorenzo and you will have no respect for ross because the, the pass is impossible i don't know how he did it it's, you you can't do that you can't go there oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not, but it's a great circuit. I love Catalonia. It's yeah. a lot of fun, it, it, uh, and the whole community around it too kind of supports the track. 
Yeah, I bet they do. I bet they do. Well, listen, what an honor it is, man. We've been going at this, well, uh, over an hour and a half now. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, right? The time flies by. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to go back to work here soon. Um, All right. Yeah, so listen, before it's we get work. off here, uh, <laughs> Aliki, yes, uh, one day it will be my full-time <laughs> job. You are absolutely correct on that. But listen, <laughs> what I need you two to do is, is plug yourselves in, let everybody know where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you. And when, when we end this, y'all two stay on for for a minute because because sure. we'll chat so you want me to put in the chat what the uh, my website is yeah you can you can shout out put it in the chat however you want to do it yeah okay putting it in um, i already put yours in a leaky yep i see it. thank you i'm technically it's okay technologically illiterate <laughs> well you know listen i i was too uh, until i started <laughs> doing this podcast with yeah. Jules and figuring all this nuances yeah. out that goes along with it. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is. But listen, you two, what an honor it is. I have a giveaway to, to give away. Somebody's yeah. going to win two free stickers. Let me see. Hang on. I'm, I'm going to do it real quick. Hang on one second. Kat, can we do a virtual high five? If I do this, wait, if I do this, can you high five me? Will that work? Wait, that's, ah, oh. this way. Laces, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Wingler, reach out to me and uh, I'll get your poster and your stickers in the mail. And uh, thank you again. What an honor it is to sit down with you two. Uh, I would love to do this again, get you both back on. When you guys ain't as busy, maybe at the end of the year, the beginning of next year. Well, right? yeah, the best bet is uh, let's do this probably in November because I'll have a new okay. calendar coming out for what's what we're going to run in in 2024. Um, and that's also just about the time when it's gift giving season for all of your track friends. And what would be better than a custom base layer? So, or you know what? Get some bottoms. Everyone yeah. gets the top. People forget to get the bottoms. Bottoms, right? Right. Yeah, so uh, Leaky, would, would that work for you in November? Yeah, I might be in Europe, but that's okay. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be doing podcasts from from London. I mean, so yeah, we can make it happen. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. It. Right, I we'll love do it. You. So, it was yeah, an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Listen, the, the honor yeah. is all ours. Believe me, it really is. But again, thank you everybody for tuning in, watching, joining, all the love and support. Man, love you, Track family. You're my people. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. All you guys are wonderful. Uh, again, what an honor it is. Until next time, everybody, I am Christian Show Simcoe. We are Pin the Gas, and these are my people. Until next time, we will see you later. <laughs>